Support the Very Serious Crafts podcast on Patreon for early access to episodes, shoutouts, bonus episodes, and more. Visit patreon.com slash seriouscrafts. You're listening to the Very Serious Crafts podcast. We're very serious crafters. And we craft very serious crafts. Very serious. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 12 of the Very Serious Crafts podcast. I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors. I'm Heidi from Hands Occupied. And I'm Molly from Wild Olive. Today we'll be talking about glue controversy, fictional stitches, and vintage knitting. <laughs> Yay! I, fictional stitches. <laughs> I, I, I really, I like the idea of, of there being these stitches that, like, that I've made up in my mind and they're like <laughs> out there. They don't actually exist. It's totally false, but I've made them up anyway. I feel like fictional stitches would be the name of a crafting theme book group. I like it. Right? I like it. Like a a book group knit night combination? Yeah. Oh, Mm -hmm. man. Can we just live in the same city so we can (laughs) start it? (laughs) Yeah. I'm just saying. (laughs) I'll I'll work on moving to Brooklyn right now with those really uh, affordable real estate prices. I mean, I Definitely. live in a rent-stabilized building, and I think there's an open apartment. I'll talk Just to Ed saying. about it. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. I might uh-huh. snatch it up before you. Oh Well, let's live together with all of our animals and people and family. It would be like... It'll be really good. It'll be like friends. <laughs> yeah. It was like crafting animal communal living. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that has happened a lot in the 70s, and mostly it just had, like, not enough water and or bathing problems. <laughs> okay, let's not do that, but okay. <laughs> no, I I am indoor kid, indoor kid, indoor kid. Right. Yes. <laughs> well, well, speaking of indoor kids, Haley, what yes. do indoor kids love? Craft books. Oh, yes. so, yes. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to softball you your talking point. <laughs> I was just getting there and then <laughs> And then I threw um, you off. Sorry. Yes, that's okay. Um <laughs> So last week something kind of exciting happened. And by kind of I mean very exciting, at least to me. Um an advanced copy of my new Golden Girls themed cross stitch book and kit, uh appropriately titled Cross Stitch the Golden Girls uh, arrived last week. Wait, I already said that. Anyway, now you really know it was. It's just week. really so um, exciting that you just yes. can't help but say yeah. it. It's fantastic. Mm. Um, and it looks <laughs> so good. Well, here's the thing, though, oh. listeners. Um, <laughs> we've that's Heidi, the... by the way. It's not me. Yes, I just want my publisher to be clear. <laughs> this is Heidi. Um, so. As <laughs> listeners, longtime listeners know, um, Haley and I are pretty huge fans of primary colors and less yes. so fans of the color pink, despite being millennials. Right. Um, <laughs> and Molly really likes well, pink. Barely, I'm barely a millennial. Yeah, you're at the you're, yeah. you're on a cusp. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so this book is pink and is. pink is Haley's favorite color in the world. It is spectacularly pink, and I, for one, love it. That's Molly here. 
I was going to say, Molly loves pink, and my mother is going to be so excited. <laughs> Speaking of which, my mom is going to be in town um, in June on a recording day. Yes. And it's going to be her birthday. Patty. Yeah. Patty. So she'll be in town, and it will be her birthday. And oh, yeah. So, so my mom is coming back. <laughs> the Good. return of Patty. I'm excited for that. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> not going to. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'm excited to see Patty again. She's adorable. She is. I'm excited, too. She gets to meet Mr. Big Stuff the cat, finally. Oh, that's awesome. And I cannot wait for my big friendly kitty to meet my also friendly mom. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> They're um, going to be best friends. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um. Well... Speaking also of things that we've talked about previously on the podcast, um, I would be remiss. Previously not- on Very Serious Crafts. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Erstwhile on Very Serious Crafts. <laughs> um, so one of the most popular stories, at least that I hear from listeners um, of mine, is the uh, story about um, a drunk lady tripping over me at a music festival <laughs> yeah. while I was knitting a tiny sweater and saying, this bee is knitting a hamster sweater, right? Remember? Yes. yes it's very funny. Yes. That was it, like, it was our first bleep. Yeah, it was. And I that think was it was like my only... first episode. Yeah, I was going to say, episode Maybe. two. Yeah. I had to come in strong with that story. <laughs> <laughs> at a season one episode, too. Yes. Like, yeah. her literal first episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um. Anyway... Fast forward to now, I just, I'm just about done designing three more hamster sweaters. <laughs> um, I approve. Can you please send them to Molly to put on her guinea pig? Sure, sure. They might um, be a little snug on a guinea pig, but they yeah. would fit a hamster, I think. Oh, um, well. Anyway. The guinea pig would try to get, to get in a there. hamster. <laughs> well, I bet they would fit an iguana, like a, a medium-sized iguana. Maybe. Um, I but, totally, my iguana wore vests when I was growing up. Well, there you go. <laughs> so this isn't so weird after all. I, <laughs> yes, I don't, I have never seen an iguana wearing a vest. Yes, now I, I really, I really want to see that. Um, okay. Well, they're, they're cold blooded. Yeah, it's true. I don't really have anything to add to that <laughs> other than um, Ringo the iguana wore vests. Ugh, Ringo. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well. The three sweaters I'm working on now would be great for Ringo if he's fans of Spirited Away, Star Wars, or the X-Files. Because um, these three yes. sweaters are des- were requested by um, one of my local yarn shops, Firefly Fiber Arts. They do a fandom-inspired, like, subscription box. And, they, and, I've, and I first did the mini fandom sweaters um, for them for last year's boxes and for Comic-Con. And then this year they were like, we could really, we would love three more of those if you want to do them. And I was like, okay, all right, just give me the yarn. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> but they're, they're, they're fairly, my arm. yeah, they're pretty, they're, they, I can design them in a day and they're, they're pretty fun. So yeah, I'm excited because so cute. Yeah. 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 The Star Wars one is going to be the, um, the rebel symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. And it looks good really good. I think. So I'm excited. Anyway, enough about hamster sweaters already. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're weird. (laughs) I don't know. I could talk hamster sweaters for a while, I think. Um, But I have been actually, this past Sunday, I actually sat down and made a thing just 
personally for me that had no other purpose other than because I wanted to make it. And it was completely delightful <gasps> to do. <laughs> That's why awesome. I, you, I pulled you, out. You just enjoyed making a thing? I just enjoyed <laughs> making a thing. I, to be fair, I enjoy making I, most things that I, I do, understand. but there was no other purpose behind it. It was weird. Uh, but I made, That's um, awesome. I, I think a year ago, maybe even a little bit more, I bought this necklace kit from Ann Potter and, um, she's at Ann Potter and with an E Potter.com, but I don't think she has kits anymore. Like it's so long ago that I bought this that I don't think she even sells them anymore. She does have some great patterns and instructions for things and finished jewelry, but I made this necklace that has some fun little beads on it and a little tassel and charm and thing. And it was just like, ah, oh, it didn't take all that long to make. <laughs> yeah. And now I have a cute necklace. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. Yes. That's awesome. I love it when that happens. Yeah. So shall we get into it? Now that we've debriefed on so. all of the latest news. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So I finally finished my Peaks Punch Needle Kit from Fancy Tiger Crafts. Yes. Which it took, like, it was a really fast, like, for the size that it is. It's, um, it's like a throw pillow size. And it was really quite quick. I think it took me maybe two days of just picking it up every once in a while to do. And um, it was really satisfying. And I still can't decide if I like it. <laughs> because I can't decide if I I can't decide if I like what it looks like. Not the design. I like the design very much, but like the the carpeting look of the actual stitches themselves. I just can't okay. decide if I'm into it or not. Um mm-hmm. but I really really like the design on the finished project. So I'm going to go ahead and do the actual finishing of it and turn it into a pillow. Which brings me to some unexpected crafting-related controversy. I love a good controversy. Yeah, so I was looking through the kit, and it doesn't really say much about finishing. But if you know anything about punch needles, it's like loops being held in place by tension. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seemed like a bad idea with Mr. Big Stuff the cat, mm. who is a carpet scratcher. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I, Heidi, leave it be. Just, just, it, it was not meant to be inappropriate. <laughs> He likes to scratch carpeting textures. Is that better? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I feel like it's an insult, you carpet scratcher. Uh, oh, anyway. <laughs> we'll see how this edits. <laughs> I haven't I'll said a word. In. I haven't said a word. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, with a cat who definitely likes to vigorously scratch surfaces with that texture. I'm fairly certain that the moment I put that finished pillow on the couch is going to be its last moment. Mm-hmm. And so I pulled off the trusty Reader's Digest Guide to Needlework 
off the shelf because I was certain that it would have rug making techniques and punch needle in it. And yes, it does. And it informed me that the way to finish it was to finish the back with latex. That, um, yeah, that's the which one I th- with liquid latex, yeah. Yeah, which I think we've discussed when mm-hmm. talking about uh, our, our panic when someone yes. poured glue on the back of their project, which I also considered. So I went down this rabbit hole of, like, what people who are good at this like designers of patterns, like people who are enthusiasts of punch needle, how they finish their works. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I found was from Amy Oxford herself um, of the Oxford company who makes the Oxford punch needle. And has and to be doing very well in 2019. That's right. <laughs> As a business. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so her thought on the subject is you don't finish the back and you just use a crochet hook to fix it when your dog or cat pulls things out. And she says she doesn't even do it on rugs that get walked on. All right. Hmm. And I don't believe her. <laughs> I mean, I do. I, I, I just, I... You no. don't believe it'll work for you. I... It, it you don't seem suspect. The thing is... You just happen to know that Mr. Big Stuff was listening closely on our last episode when we were discussing drizzling. And he was all like, (laughs) he was like, ooh, a new hobby. (laughs) You know, funny you should say that because he's destroying systematically a sparkle ball that I can't find. Mm -hmm. Um, And I keep finding like strands of silver tinsel all over mm-hmm. so maybe he is drizzling yeah maybe, mis- maybe mr big stuff's nickname can be like louis like a french name when he when he's <laughs> pulling apart shiny things <laughs> i don't know how to say mr big stuff in french i feel like never mind i'm not even gonna try um so anyway amy oxford also said that when restoring old carpets those that were backed with latex were a mess. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. A- and that it can degrade the fiber, that sometimes it contains formaldehyde. Like, it's a whole thing. Mm. Yeah. And so I still. Um, Wait, you're not like, looking to I'm make. I'm not making an heirloom project. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I'm not making something that. I need to pass along to my grandchildren. I'm making a functional object that's going to sit on a surface that's going to be used. It's going to be leaned against. It's going to be sat upon. It's going to be scratched. It's like, and it's not like, I did not take great amounts of time. I just enjoyed making this project. And honestly, it's not that, like its longevity is not that important to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's important enough that I would not like Mr. Big Stuff to immediately unravel it. But (laughs) it's like, if it doesn't last a decade, that's okay Mm -hmm. with me. So I moved on because I'm clearly going to ignore the advice of the foremost expert in the area because... (laughs) Because why not? You know, like you do. Because you're a serious So then I ended up... Because I'm a very serious crafter and think I know better. Um, So Uh, then I uh ended up on the Nordic Needle site. 
and they actually list something called punch needle fabric glue, um, which is a permanent washable adhesive that is made to secure the backs of punch needle. So, of course, when I clicked through, it 404'd. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh. then I went down a Google rabbit hole, could not find what this, it, like, it's called punch needle fabric glue. I It, it probably it had too much formaldehyde in it. They couldn't sell it anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And so, um, so that didn't work. So finally, I just settled on, um... A rug backing liquid latex product that is made to back rugs called um, promisingly Fiberlock mm. um, non skid rug backing. And it is reviewed well. It okay. seems to it seems to be fine. And so I'm going to do that. And honestly, it will, if it goes well, I'll let you know. If I ruin the project, fine. But if what it does is keep my punch needle from being systematically destroyed by my big friendly cat like that's fine it's fine <laughs> i mean so anyway i i didn't know there was controversy there yeah. apparently lots of people have very strong opinions on this subject the thing is if mm. it if it ruins the project i mean that also that makes for a good podcast too so we're fine with it either way that's true. I will report back. I will let you guys know. Okay. And we can even check in, like, annually to yeah. see what the back of my project looks like. There you go. And uh, how it does or does not deteriorate. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so so we'll see. I mean, it's not like I'm going to throw it in the washing machine or anything. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not that kind of project. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, I- I'll report back. And if you have a strong opinion, do please email it to us and tell me how wrong I am. (laughs) Yes. I I invite your criticism. (laughs) And then I shall ignore it. Yep. (laughs) Uh That's right. Well, I'm excited to hear if somebody has, like, a really smart insight on when they have and haven't done it. Yeah. um, And whether or not it's worth it. That's mostly what I'm curious about. Because I feel like there's not... Like, Punch Needle, I think because it's easy, I think there's a lot of 101 level tutorials. And then mm-hmm. because it's a craft that w- is fairly ob- has been fairly obscure until recently, um, since, like, rug making was big, big way back in the day. Yeah. Um, correct me yeah. if I'm wrong there, too, listeners. Um, but it's such an easy thing, in theory, to learn the mechanics of. I think that there's not necessarily a huge like readership for tutorials on finishing yeah i was gonna say and there aren't all that many to find although you can like there are sort of not dissimilar to embroidery backing techniques like backing a hoop Mm -hmm. um there are like binding and backing techniques Mm -hmm. for finishing rugs yeah and i mean the reader's digest Complete Guide to Needlework definitely talks about that sort of thing and different binding methods and things like that. But the the backing doesn't seem, I don't know, there doesn't seem to be a definitive best practice for that um, unless there is and I am just not in the right corner of the internet, which may mm-hmm. be true since this is 
not where my professional expertise lie. Well, sure. And then I was thinking, so there's um, the new book that's just come out this month um, by her her Instagram handle is, um, I think, book Hugh, book H-O-U. And she has a book called Punch Needle that it's mm-hmm. like just Oh, her work's out. great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so oh, I'm cool. wondering, I'd be curious to see if she, what she says, because she's done a whole um, video course and stuff on it. So mm-hmm. that would be worth seeing what she does too. And still doing yeah, what yeah. you want to do, Haley. You're welcome. But yeah, I'd be curious. Oh, I, I mean, I feel like she's, I'm going to back it. Yeah, yeah. No, um, but I think that she, um, she's probably one of the biggest voices in Punch Needle yeah. that I see around also. I love her stuff. I would agree. Yeah. Yep. And I um, thought about pouring glue on it just to do a video so you guys could go. <gasps> but, <laughs> As I would. But, but instead, I'm going to use a, a paintbrush and some liquid latex, which will kind of harken back to my goth ears, actually. I am very <laughs> familiar. So what I wanted to talk about today mm-hmm. <laughs> is um, a finished project that requires going in the washing machine. So the opposite sort of finishing situation <laughs> from what we were just discussing. Right. Um, so I finished, this past weekend, I finished the um, vintage knit blouse style sweater that I was talking about previously mm-hmm. on this podcast. Because um, it turns out a short sleeve um, 1940s style puff sleeve sweater doesn't take a crazy amount of time to make. Nice. So that's oh, exciting. So this is one in your size? Yes. Oh, cool. Not yeah. the baby one that Yeah, that one I made at the retreat on. start to finish. Yep. yep. No, this is this is the full size adult size human size sweater and I cool. finished it last weekend, which is really exciting cuz it's me made May and it's intentionally springy, so I'm going to get to wear it, which That's is really exciting. exciting. Um so I just wanted to um talk a little bit about um vintage patterns versus contemporary patterns Mm -hmm. (laughs) have either of you worked from a vintage pattern before like a free one you found and tried to Uh, vintage sewing patterns but knitting specifically a different animal Um, yeah but knitting specifically i have not worked from them but obviously i have looked at them uh because Mm -hmm. i have inherited all of my grandmother's knitting everything Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I made a few crochet projects um, from like old work basket magazines mm-hmm. um, because my uh, favorite German professor and also very good friend gave me a bunch of them um, at some point that her mom had saved, mm-hmm. and so they they assume an awful lot of background knowledge, and that's exactly what I'm getting to. Oh, um, sorry. No, 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 no. To, uh, steal your thunder. It's a perfect segue. No, no apologies. Um, but yeah, so what I basically wanted to let folks know if they um, are considering working from a vintage knitting pattern or other pattern, but I'll speak specifically to knitting since that's mm-hmm. top of mind. Um, so if you have worked from a knitting pattern before, generally it is, especially for a garment or a larger accessory, fairly, like it should be at least three to seven pages if the sizing and schematics and photos are all there. Yeah. Um, but when you work from a vintage pattern, especially one that's like a free pattern from a scan of a vintage magazine that no longer exists, mm-hmm. <laughs> you are looking at about 
three or four total paragraphs of text, and that includes, um, it, like, and the text is almost all done in stitch abbreviations. Often you only get stitch gauge and not row gauge, so you know how wide your work's going to need to be, but not how tall. Um, oh. And... All That's of, interesting. And most of the finishing just says, finishing, sew pieces together, ease in fullness at shoulder, if there is any. That's it. Okay. <laughs> and Which off, makes sense to me yeah. as someone who sews. Correct. But if you're a knitter, that might be a bit jarring if you're yeah. used to working with contemporary patterns. Yeah. Um, and so I think the biggest things that I would do your research on before embarking on working from a vintage knitting pattern, if anybody out there is curious, I would make sure that you understand, you, that you have a pretty confident understanding of your own gauge or tension as you work and that you have the ability to do knitting math. Um, so let's like the sweater I worked from was called the uh, fern lace pullover mm-hmm. and it only listed a vintage size 10. And by the way, vintage sizes are different than contemporary sizes in yes. the show notes. Yes. I have in the show notes, I've got a link um, with um, the mostly standard vintage knitting sizes if anybody wants to refer to that. Um, but the sweater I worked from only came in a size, I think, 10. And I am like a vintage size maybe 12 or 14. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had to myself work from the pattern as written. And I did a couple different gauge swatches to know my own stitch gauge and row gauge in the stitch pattern for the sweater, but also in stockinette. Um, And using that information, I basically had to not redesign the sweater, but redo all the math for how many stitches to increase or decrease to like the rate of decrease to suit the height of my torso and things like that. Right. Um, So just FYI, be ready to do some math if you're working from a vintage pattern and also be prepared if it's your first one. My landscapers just got here, everybody. Enjoy the dulcet tones of the lawnmower that you'll hear for the rest of this recording. Sorry, y'all. You're probably going to hear it on my end anyway, so. (laughs) Yeah. Summer. (laughs) Um, But yeah, basically, long story short, be prepared to do math and have a, gr- a good understanding of your size and your tension as you work. Yeah. I could do go you- on forever, but <laughs> that seems appropriate. <laughs> do you have any idea when gauge started being height and width? Because that's really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. there's some... I've, I've, I've come across a few patterns that have row gauge, but particularly for patterns from the 30s and 40s, according to what I learned mm-hmm. on my knitting retreat at least, especially those early patterns didn't bother with row gauge. Because often they say, like, work, work in pattern for X number of inches. Right. And so your row gauge doesn't really totally matter. Except for except, how much yarn you need. Except, it, well, it, except for when... The problem that I have with the way these patterns are written, and I'm sure this is why this has changed over the years, is that when they say, like, work X number of inches, if you're working with a yarn that changes when it's blocked, and oh, then, yeah. um, the the length of your finished garment is going to be different. But I digress. What was your question, Haley? Oh, no, that, that makes sense. I, I'm guessing that those patterns were written with the assumption that the person making them would be adjusting to their size. And so mm-hmm. the um, height of the stitches doesn't matter as much mm-hmm. um, since you're already going to be changing so many 
in theory, changing so many things. Mm-hmm. I think the the skill that you are expected to enter with mm-hmm. is extremely competent in, yeah. like, being extremely competent in doing that sort of thing because everybody did that sort of thing. Yeah, and you learned younger and you had generally on basically a master crafter living in your home or next door. Yeah. yeah. And that was such a universal thing. Yeah, you were yeah. learning from the person that had already done all of this stuff mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, and it's also, like, it was really interesting when I talked to my gram- my 90-year-old grandma when mm-hmm. I was at her birthday. When I was talking to her about fitting a dress that I wanted her to look at, with her, it's always practicality first. Mm-hmm. Um, she was like, why would you take out your entire, like, sleeve assembly to take in the shoulder half an inch? Just sew it and ignore, like, place the, place the seam as hidden as possible and move on with your life and wear the thing. Like, it's all, there was just more, I think, of a general sense of practicality because it was such an everyday thing. That makes sense. There's also less variation in yarn. Like, it, you could probably get, like, whatever type of yarn was available in your area from whatever sheep there were, it, and you would know what those stitches would do and how it would block out. So you would be coming in with a different kind of expected or expectation than I think you might if you are in a yarn store now facing all of the options. Well, and my family also is from um, rural Minnesota, and then I grew up in North Dakota. Yep. And if there was even yarn on the shelf to buy, mm-hmm. there'd be probably one option. Right. Exactly. Um, and so I think that was another thing, too, is that you just kind of knew that fingering weight yarn was like this, worsted weight yarn was like this, end of story. Yeah. No, that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Anyway... Old patterns. They're different than new patterns. (laughs) They sure are in in many different ways. And I kind of like, um, I mean, vintage sewing patterns aren't dissimilar. And maybe at some point I will talk at length about those. But in in the instructions, they assume that, like, you know how to put in a button placket. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, you do that. That is the instruction. And you're like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. The thing, okay, I we might be digging in now deeper because of of this, but the thing that I think is interesting is it would seem to me that now more than ever you should be able to put in instructions like that because mm-hmm. all you have to do is just Google how to put in a button placket, and there's fifty three videos on how to do it immediately that are good videos you know what i mean it would yeah. seem like we actually have yes more- but have you looked at your email <laughs> at, at, at the people who are super angry because i know you didn't put three pictures of one step i understand that it's just it seems like it's just it's easier to find the information now so why are people expecting yep. it to be all there i don't get it but uh on the topic of vintage crafting, sort of, um, and also those fictional stitches that were mentioned before, <laughs> I, uh, so I've been reading a book very, very slowly, <laughs> very slowly. <laughs> oh, called uh, it's called because you have to make all those fictional stitches. That's true. <laughs> 
It's called The Gown, and it's by Jennifer Robson. Um, so it's fictional, but it is primarily about these two women, friends, who worked for the designer who made Princess Elizabeth, now Queen Elizabeth's, wedding gown. And it's actually, I mean, it's based enough on truth, like it's the actual designer that really did design her gown that they work um, for this um, design house. And it's all about their embroidery work. And of course, relationship things, and um, but it's all set with this embroidery uh, backdrop, if you will. And cool. I've really been enjoying it. It has like, it's written from three perspectives, including a modern day perspective. Um, so you get cool. all of those um, elements. Each Each chapter changes. But I, the embroidery is not like prominent, but it's throughout the whole thing. And it's really, it's been accurate. You know how sometimes you're reading a craft themed book or somebody makes mention of a thing and they don't actually know what they're talking about. I think that the, the, this author really researched it. I was impressed. I am impressed. That's good because, oh, few things make me as angry and Oh, yeah. Uh, I I read a lot of Regency romances. Yeah. And there's a lot of inaccurate embroidery. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they're they're talking about, um, you know, stretching the fabric on frames, the frequent, frequent hand washing, which we all know is a thing if you are embroidering, especially with light colored fabrics and threads. Um, they did the, um, the words are going to like fly out of my brain as I'm describing this now. Um, the pattern transfer (laughs) method where, um, you're like using the, uh, dark powder to like pounce. I think it's pouncing is the correct term is now it's it's Mm -hmm. coming back into my brain again. Anyway. Um, yeah. So describing (laughs) that process. It just took a lap around the room. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that's definitely pouncing. Yeah. A little bit of. Needle turn applique. It's all like, it's working and I'm enjoying it. So I would recommend the gown, even though I have not finished it because I just squeeze in a half a chapter here and there. But yeah. I really like it. So there's that. It's always happy when you good. find something nice like that. And that's all I have to say on yeah. the subject. <laughs> that book sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah it does. I really like it, it. I'm definitely adding it to my list right now. But. Since I seem to want to complain about things today <laughs> or, or stir up controversy, uh, I'm going to make a, another possibly controversial statement. We are and here for just, it. Just to put it out there. Uh, and it, it's more that I just, need, I just need to say it out loud to people who will understand. Um, and also listeners who may understand also. So I really like making people things spontaneously. Like almost every time I go home for the holidays, I will fall into a project for someone. Like my mom needed a cast sock to cover her cast a couple Christmases ago um, to cover her toes. Mm -hmm. And I immediately went and got the yarn and made it that night. And I have been known to whip up hats for my cousins, like lots of things like that. And it makes me feel really good to just be useful in that way. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And in sort of a really low pressure scenario, like 
someone's not expecting that. They're they're delighted that I'm going to sit down, but they also have to see how long it takes. They have to <laughs> like they're present. They're present for the process, so they might not. Like, they're they present for careful. the present. <laughs> exactly, but I mean, I think it matters when someone sees how much work goes into making something. Yeah, I think that that makes it more meaningful sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but or it makes I, them I, keep their dang mouth shut. <laughs> I mean, yes, that too. Um, but I have to say that I hate crafting gifts for big events like someone's baby shower or someone's wedding. I think it's stressful and overwhelming and I don't like to do it and I don't ever want to. And I always feel like I have to because as a person who makes things by hand, it's kind of expected that you will want to. And honestly, making something... Because I design, because I'm not just pulling a tutorial that someone else has written, because I, if I, I just can't in, in situations yeah. like that. It's so much work and the pressure is so high and it takes so long. I simply don't have the time and energy to do that on top of actual work. And I, I hate doing it. It just, I cringe every time a baby shower invitation comes. I, and, like, I don't know, guys. I just, I hate it. I hate doing it. And I don't want to. <laughs> it's funny. It, my immediate reaction is it's so funny because you are the one who's always fighting the urge to make a last-minute outfit for vacation. Always. Yeah. <laughs> is this a similar sort of, like, anxiety-making response? I mean, I I do have the same, like, uh, I'm trying not to swear. Um, <laughs> like, oh, cr- oh crap, uh, I have to go to a baby shower tomorrow. I better knit a hat. <laughs> I, I do have that. Or I better embroider this onesie. <laughs> so yes. I, I do. So I do have that stress response, but no, I just, I just don't like, in the same way that I don't like taking commissioned work, like I like designing projects and um, selling intellectual property and writing books and things like that. I like teaching, I like designing a thing and teaching it how it's done. Mm -hmm. I do not actually enjoy making items to someone else's specification or on someone else's deadline. Yeah. If that makes sense. I I think the secret is that when you're designing those things along the way for work, you just have to work in a certain number of projects that are likely to be good gifts in the future. Yeah. And then you just have them sitting there and then it's like, hey look, I made this sort of for Heck you. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, but yeah, that's the, the way to do it. Problem is, <laughs> my audience isn't visiting my site for baby related. I content. know, I know. I'm just trying to find a solution here. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jeez. 
But I mean, do you guys feel that kind of pressure or do you guys really enjoy doing it? I know some people take great pleasure in doing that kind of thing. I just, it just stresses me out so much. Okay, let's just say, yeah, let's just say I have a gift that I've been working on for my brother's birthday gift for uh, almost a year and a half. And it's not finished. Well, it'll be ready for the next birthday. I that's what I said last year. <laughs> yep. So Great. I understand. And I want to make this for him. It's just I could even put it on my blog. I just it just hasn't worked in. And so yeah, then I just feel guilty mm-hmm. about it and I don't like that. So I try not to do yep. that too often. And I mean the sentiment isn't what I don't want. Like right. I truly would like to present these people I love with a thing that I have put great care into. Yeah. Like, that would feel good in in doing it. I like it in theory. But in practice, I just... Yeah. Just don't. <laughs> I understand. I don't know. Yeah, I got, I, think- I got over feeling bad about making handmade gifts all the time once um, my uh, repetitive stress injuries kept being an issue. And then it was actually yeah. it was actually pretty liberating because I could be like, I just can't make you that and do my job. Here's a book. <laughs> and I, 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 well, saying I like that isn't the correct sentiment since I'm I'm not excited that you have repetitive stress injuries. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's a, an actual real reason, mm-hmm. and I guess. Maybe if I didn't make things as my job, it would be different. Well, if it the, were just yeah. a nice thing to be doing in my downtime, which doesn't exist. Um, I don't know. Anyway, I, I just just had to be honest about not being that into it. Well, and the one the one I think relevant point for people who are known to their family and friends as makers or are professional makers, there is genuinely yeah. always a pressure that like what you need to give is perfect. So if I wanted to make my niece, because I'm seeing her this weekend for her first birthday, so this is relevant. <laughs> yeah. Um, I kept thinking like maybe I'll make her sew her up a little sundress because sewing can go a little faster than knitting and is easier on my hands. Um but if I made it now, I'd be rushing it, and then I feel like if it was imperfect in some way, that would make me look really bad. Because there's, like, a standard thing. Right. In play. And literally no one is going to notice. Yeah. Except you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, have you pulled ready-to-wear clothes out of your closet and looked at the finishing? <laughs> it's not pretty. Yeah. Like, ooh. Mm-mm. Well, so also, nobody will notice. Who's going to notice and not, open, not notice does depend on your family. Because, well, it, or if some, they some people know the techniques, and my family does. Oh, that's a problem. Then. So now it's that, a, <laughs> the look on Molly's face just then was like, oh, yeah. So that that's another that's another reason. Like, no offense, loved ones, um, that I'm just like, mm, girl, here's a book. I mean, laugh. girl, here's a book is almost always my gift response. Yeah. I mean, that's what I want half the time. So it's yeah. Girl, here's a book. Uh, girl, here's a book. I'm going to run with that and say, I could use a book right now on how to knit socks. Except, not really. I'm actually knitting socks. And it's happening. So, 
If we yeah. I have like three that I could suggest. <laughs> it Girl, might, here's a sock I, book. It, it might come to that. I <laughs> I officially knit my first sock a few months ago, but it was a teeny tiny one, and I talked about that then. But now I'm actually knitting a for real pair of socks that fit me, at least in theory they do. So far they do. Um, uh, because I'm doing the No Fear Sock Knit Along, which Denise, who is Earth Tone Girls on Instagram, is is running. And I saw it and I was like, oh, do I really need to add this in? Because it's, again, it's a personal project. But I did. And my friend Katie is doing it with me. She is, of course, far superior at sock knitting because she's done this many times before. But anyway, she's helped me along <laughs> a Yours look really good. What was that? And you're doing yours look really good. Thank from you. What I, the pictures you've posted or stories, I'm not sure what it was. And you're doing like for real cables, which I, isn't I that am. another fear we've discussed. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I'm just gonna do all of the things. So it's a toe yep. up sock, and I mean it's a sock. First of all, it's toe up sock, and it has cables. Yeah, I like toe up the best. Um, and so the pattern I'm using is the Pebbles and Pathways sock pattern by Marceline who is um at Hay Brownberry and mm-hmm. um I really like them they're they have little cables that run along them with uh, a garter stitch um path or pebbles in the middle I'm not sure which is the path and which is the pebbles I, I haven't decided <laughs> uh- <laughs> I assume the cable is the pebbles because raised that's what I was thinking Katie thought the other way around. So, I mean, listeners, oh, well. take a look at the pattern and weigh in. What do you think? I don't know. I could actually ask the designer. But anyway. Um, well, you could. I could. But we'd rather speculate. <laughs> Speculation is amazing. Uh, yeah, so I started with a Turkish cast on, which I'd never even heard of before. But it felt magical yeah, because that. it's just like wrapping and then knitting. And then suddenly you've got... Needles on both stitches. Oh, and I'm doing magic loop for it as well. Wait, what? You mean, <laughs> it's like, you've you, got you needles mean, on both stitches? Yeah, that. You said that backwards. <laughs> stitches on both needles. It's the same thing. I mean, thing. that is magical. I have never heard of that. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is why I don't write sock knitting patterns, apparently. Anyway. Um, Yet. Yeah. Yeah. And then the cables... The, re- the recommended method is to not use a cable needle, so I've learned how to do that as well. And Yay, it is, it is a little way. Yeah, it's, it's, I have a feeling that's how my grandma used to knit cables, because I don't remember her ever with a cable needle, but um, mm-hmm. it's really cool to see it happen. The only downside is the yarn that I'm using, which I've had here for a while. It was by I Dream in Color. And I don't know anything beyond that because it was from a warehouse sale and there were no tags on it. But um, okay. it it ha- it untwists a fair amount. And so I'm like splitting the yarn. It like the yarn is yeah. very twisty, but it's also it's splitting while I'm trying to grab those stitches, which is a little frustrating at times, but it's still coming together. And so yeah. I'm at the That's heel. That's really cool. I'm at the heel gusset and um, of my first sock and I will update you all on it. When it gets further, but I'm excited. I love turning heels so much. It's also uh, it's pretty fun here seeing it come together. Yes, also 
I love I, it. I was going to say, I'm I'm so on board with uh, with the method of learning how to do a thing by just chucking yourself, like, two inches deeper into the deep end than you can actually, like, reach. Yeah. Because yep. that is the fastest way to learn and grow, even if you're making mistakes while you do it. Because if you Absolutely. make those mistakes yourself, you will remember, girl. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and there have been... I don't know why I'm saying girl so much today. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, odd. <laughs> There have been I'm watching too much Drag Race. <laughs> there have been a couple times. Sorry, where watching I've too much what? <laughs> drag Race, RuPaul's Drag Race. The finale is coming up. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, Molly. No, you're, you're terrible you're listener. Fine. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, I have. I have absolutely had to work backwards and fix a cable that I put in the wrong direction. And just now, I realized that I messed up at least a couple things um a couple rows back and i'm in debate as to whether it's going to matter to me whether that's a knit or a purl stitch and i'm going to think on it we'll see i mean the time to change it is as soon as you see it if it's not at like the beginning yeah so that's my i'm also not i i'm not afraid of frogging ever (laughs) um no i i always go back mistakes will drive me crazier than the extra time (laughs) Yeah. Um, but that's just my personality. I know plenty of people who are like, whatever, does it actually impact how functional this item is? Yeah. And will anyone notice? Yeah. The answer exactly. is almost certainly no. Yeah. No that one would, will notice. That would be my grandma's perspective. She'd yeah. be like, move on, girl, go. <laughs> I, your grandma and I have fundamentally different ways of looking at the world, I think. <laughs> She's also on like limited time. She's ninety years old. Like she's like she's like I got I got things to do. Well, I <laughs> mean, that's actually kind of fair. Yeah, I mean, your perspective <laughs> yeah. changes when you, when you see life being short, which is true technically yeah. for all of us. We just don't always recognize it until later. Yes, on. ma'am. So, yep. yep. Oh gosh, it got dark. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here to remind you of. Uh, your impending, your impending death. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and encourage I mean, you to craft your life away. <laughs> it is. I'm the we've been one. hanging out a lot, so at least that's true. It's oh, no. true on video. It, it's rubbing off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so oh. on the death note. Oh, sorry. No, that's terrible. We we have to we have to lighten <laughs> things up a little bit here before we wrap up. I don't know something about socks or. Girl, something, something he- girl, sock, here's frogging. Girl, here's a sock book. Girl, here's a sock. Yes. There it is. Girl, here's a sock book. <laughs> oh, and on that note, <laughs> if you're a person who likes to hang out on the internet, you should hang out with us because we are clearly a ball of kitten-like fun. <laughs> um. Anyway, find us on Instagram and Twitter at serious crafts and on facebook at very serious crafts you can also find show notes and all things very serious crafts at very serious want to join the conversation tag us using shockingly hashtag very serious crafts and if you're using instagram stories don't forget to tag us at serious crafts so we can reshare 
Uh, are you a fan of the Very Serious Crafts podcast? <laughs> I hope so, if you're still listening. Um, great. <laughs> so, pretty please leave the Very Serious Crafts podcast a five-star rating. Five stars. On whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Uh, good ratings help us show up in recommendations, which helps more people who love crafting find us. And finally, if you'd like to sponsor an episode of the Very Serious Crafts podcast, visit VerySeriousCrafts.com and click sponsor. We did it. Yeah. 